Jesus. 
to see you. Thank you for coming out on this Sunday after Christmas. We're delighted to see you. Let's stand together. Brother Ken will come lead us as we make a joyful noise. Brother Ken. Amen. This morning we'll sing I Know My Name Is There. I hope you know your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life this morning. If not, you can know it before you leave here today. I Know My Name Is There. We'll do all four verses today. for being here again on this Lord's Day, the Sunday after we celebrated his birth. I appreciate you coming out and those who are joining us via online. We appreciate your presence as well. Several announcements, prayer requests, weather before we go to the Lord in prayer. Of course, pray for the family of Brother Coffee uh, in the homegoing. 
of his dad. We'll give you those arrangements shortly. They'll be making them this afternoon, Lord willing. Continue to lift up Brother Kenneth Hicks. Uh, that is Sherry Peck's brother. He is in Roanoke Hospital, had surgery over the weekend, which was successful. So we praise the Lord for that. Continue to pray for Brother Mike Smith's brother. And then, of course, Donnie and Eddie continuing to deal with their cancer treatments. And then a, a pastor friend, uh, Greg uh, Robinson and his wife, Sue, both from Danville, uh, are very sick with COVID and pneumonia, and they're uh, getting ready to put Greg on a ventilator. So please lift up that family if you would. We've got much to celebrate today. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless our services. Lord, we love you, and we're glad to be in your house, thankful for the opportunity that you've given us. Lord, I pray your blessings upon our services today. We need your presence. And so, God, I ask that you would speak through the singing, the preaching. May it uplift that name that is above every name, that name that is the King of kings and Lord of lords, that name Jesus. Lord, thank you for uh, coming to earth in the form of a man that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Blessing all that we do now in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Of course, yesterday we celebrated the birth of the Christ child, and I'll remember, remind you that he came to earth for one reason. He came to die. You listen now as the choir sings the last blood. I hope it blesses your heart.
job this morning, choir. Well done. Again, we are welcome you out to our services today. Thank you for being here. Lots of announcements I want to go over with you this morning. First of all, uh, a reminder as we wrap up our holiday uh, schedule, there'll be no services Wednesday night, but Wednesday week, which is January the 5th, we will resume our Awana program and our Bible study. We've been looking at Proverbs, talking about godly wisdom. We've got a couple more lessons there that we'll be looking at. So Wednesday week, which is January the 5th, we will resume our Wednesday night services. Don't forget, our tithing envelopes for 2022 are available. If you use the tithing envelopes rather than the online system, you can grab that from Brother Scott or Miss Teresa. A couple of dates we've got lined up. Please mark your calendars for Monday, uh, January the 10th. We'll be preaching down at the Jimmy Dillon Winter Jubilee. Choir will be singing, Lord willing. Uh, and the time of departure is there. We'll leave from here at the church at 545 or in Ridgeway from Andre Drive, uh, which most of you know where that is. That's where we used to live uh, at 6 o'clock, and we invite you to join us. We'll have a great time together. End of service today. On Wednesday night, we gave out our 2021 Christmas ornaments. If you weren't able to be here uh, Wednesday night, we invite you at the end of services today to come up here and grab you one. We also have some ornaments from last year, if you want to grab that one as well. And then we have some Operation Christmas Child ornaments for you to grab. So we invite you to come up after services today and uh, grab those. And then over here on the right, my right, your left, uh, we've got uh, the tree that we had for James and Anna's wedding. So if you were if you were able to attend and uh, weren't uh, able to sign that, if you would sign that, we'd sure appreciate it. Glad to see y'all back. They surprised us and came back last night. Uh, we appreciate y'all coming in. Then I want you to mark on your calendars January the 23rd. Third, we have the Brady Rochester family with us. All of you, most of you know the Rochesters. Uh, and of course, uh, brother and sister Rochester retired at the end of this year. They are, they are coming off the road both in their late 80s. Uh, and so they've been singing now for more than 60 years. And the two of them, Mr. and Miss Rochester, are coming off the road. Uh, but the Rochester family is still singing. There's a whole other Rochester crew called the Brady Rochester family. Uh, and they are fantastic. We love them, precious folks. They'll be here on January the 23rd, so mark your calendar for that if you would. Um, stand up, Matt and Madison. Amen. If you are, y'all, they are, everybody already knows. We are proud to announce, thrilled to announce the engagement of Matt and Madison. An August wedding is planned. If you're going to pray for these folks, would you let them know it? Amen. We love y'all so very much. Y'all can be seated. And we're very, very excited for what the Lord's doing in their lives. Uh, I'm going to give you just a couple more prayer requests uh, before the ushers make their way down. I mentioned Wednesday night, please be praying for Brother Bob and Miss Kyla. Both had been very sick for several uh, months, candidly, and uh, had not shared it publicly. And we, of course, respected that. They gave us permission to share it this past Wednesday. Christmas Eve, I called Bob and chatted with him for just a little bit. He was in good spirits. They're both in the hospital for several weeks now. Uh, but the, he got good news. Uh, he said, Preacher, they're moving me and Kyla into the same rehab center, into the same room, and we have his and her beds. Amen. So, he's excited. He's excited. He said, I've spent the last several weeks without my sweetheart. She's in the same hospital, but we're not in the same room. He said, now we're going in the same room. He's joking. He said, we can't be in the same bed. She snores too loud. Amen. <laughs> But you pray for him, uh, Kyla especially. She's got a long, long way of recovery, so pr please pray for her. 
if you would, and then pray. A lot of you saw this on social media. A good, good pastor, evangelist. He pastored for 35 years, and evangelist, Brother Noah Fry, went home to be with the Lord. Uh, and then the day after he passed away, his sweet wife, Polly, fell and broke her hip. So please pray for them. Love Brother Noah Fry. Uh, grew up all of my life hearing Brother Noah Fry preach, uh, one, of, one of God's choice servants. Uh, when Brother Coffey passed away, I texted Joe Arthur to let him know about it. And we were texting back and forth about how many heroes of the faith that we grew up listening to have gone home to be with the Lord. And then I was reminded that's just time for another generation to stand up and take up the banner of the cross. Amen. All right, fellas, make your way down this morning if you would. You'll be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings, and God will richly bless you. We're going to pray and ask God to bless the offering this morning. Father, we come to you now in the precious name of Jesus, asking your blessings upon the offering. May it be what you'd have it to be. Bless the gift and the giver now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's stand together one more time. Brother Ken comes to lead us. We'll make a joyful noise as Brother Ken comes in. Amen. We'll sing a song we all know so well. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound of saved a wretch like me. We'll do all four verses this morning. There's one song we can always sing. It's about God's amazing grace. Amen. Yeah. 
praise his name right here. Praise God, 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 praise God. Amen. He is worthy to be praised. Turn around and wave at somebody. Welcome them out. All the kids heading to Children's Church. Junior Church, come on, make your way. Miss Marsha, Miss Register, y'all come on this morning. Thank you for your help again today. Christmas gift this morning. Raise your hand. Amen. I thought you'd raise your hand, Randy. That's the coolest shirt and tie combo I've ever seen in my life. Stand up, buddy. Stand up, Randy. Stand up, stand up, stand up. You are rocking some Christmas spirit, buddy. Amen. You are redder than your wife's shirt now, pal. Amen. I love it. I love it. Oh, mate. Love this song. And you pray for them as they sing. We'll get into the word this morning. Sing, guys. Unworthy 
in your Bibles this morning. Please turn with us to the book of Leviticus, chapter number 12, Leviticus chapter 12, and then also have ready Luke chapter 2 as well, Leviticus 12 and Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2 and Leviticus chapter 12. We mentioned on Wednesday night during our service outside that so often the Christmas story, as is celebrated in modern culture, ends with Luke 2, verse 20. As the shepherds return from having visited the manger, having visited the Christ child, and they're, of course, returning, glorifying God, praising the Lord. But in fact, neither Luke 2 nor the Christmas story actually ends there. Verse 21 of Luke 2, which we'll read in just a bit, happens some eight days later. And then verse 22 following happens some 40 days labor, late. And in fact, that scene that unfolds at the end of Luke 2 is really one of the most unusual scenes in all of Scripture. In fact, there's a couple of, if you'll allow me just to be candid, a couple of elderly folks who meet the Christ child for the first time, and a good old-fashioned praise and worship service kind of breaks out right there at the Jewish tabernacle. Why were Mary and Joseph there to begin with? 
Why were they making their way to the temple there in Jerusalem on this particular day? Well, to understand that, we need to go back to the Old Testament. We need to read, in fact, what, what Moses records under the Holy Spirit guidance of the hand of God, beginning in Leviticus chapter 12. If you found your place, say amen. Let's read it together. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man child, then she shall be unclean seven days, according to the days of the separation of her infirmity, shall she be unclean. Please look at verse 3. For it describes what we'll read in just a moment in Luke 2, verse 21. Look at verse 3. And in the eighth day of the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Verse 4. She shall then continue in the blood of her purifying three and thirty days. She shall touch no hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary. And note this last prepositional phrase, until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. So a two-fold process is described here in Leviticus. A process that we understand in modern culture today as circumcision, to be candid with you, as described in Luke chapter 2 verse 21, and also described here in Leviticus as the law is given to Moses. That's step one happens when the man-child is eight days old. And then the next three verses describe in Leviticus and then subsequently in Luke at what time a family is to bring that child to the temple in order for the purification ceremony, in order for the dedication ceremony to take place. So we have described in Leviticus the time frame in which, if you'll allow me to kind of use this language of modern culture, the time frame under which the family brings the baby to the church for the first time. Now, you understand that, that there was no church at this time. The church had not been created. But to kind of put it in our modern culture, in our vernacular, what we see described here is a very crystal clear process of a time frame under which what is actually referred to as the redemption ceremony was to take place. You all understand that it's a, it's a big deal when parents bring their children to church for the first time. It's a big deal when the, the baby comes for the first time to the church house. You know, the mamas all want to ooh and coo, and the grandmas all want to get around, and naturally so. It's a big deal when the church sees the baby for the first time. Well, when Mary and Joseph, we're going to read about it in just a moment, bring their child for the first time, something very strange and very unusual begins to happen. There is at the tabernacle, at the temple there, a pair of folks who show up instantly. We know absolutely nothing about them. They engage with Mary and Joseph and the Christ child, and then just as instantly they disappear from the pages of Scripture. 
But in that very short few moments, as Mary and Joseph bring this child to be redeemed, let me pause on that and let you think on that a second. The redeemer of all humanity had to come to the temple to be redeemed. In that moment, in that instant, one of these individuals, we'll read about him in just a moment, a man by the name of Simeon makes a statement that absolutely changes everything. A statement that had not been uttered by the angel, either to Mary or Joseph. A statement that no one had thought about because in Mary and Joseph's mind, this child was come to save his people from their sins. Turn with me, please, now to Luke 2. Hold your place there in Scripture. Your little bookmarker will be coming back to Leviticus a couple of times, but turn to Luke 2, if you would, please. Note verse number 21. Luke 2, verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, we just read about that. His name was called, say it with me, church, one, two, three, Jesus. Hope your Bible has it in all capital letters. Which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 21 happens eight days after the birth. Verse 22 happens 40 days after the birth, according to what we just read in Leviticus. As it is written, verse number 23, in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. To offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Behold, look at verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And I love this clause. The Holy Ghost was upon him. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. You know what that means? God led him there that day. He came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he, the he there is Simeon, took him, Jesus, in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. All of this is good, even though it's a kind of a strange, kooky old guy showing up at the temple, uh, grabbing this child out of Mary and Joseph's arms, uh, lifting him up, saying, praise God, I've seen the consolation of Israel. Uh, but what he says makes sense until he gets to this verse. Look at verse 32. Simeon, still speaking, says, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you take the outline, use it to be a blessing to your people. If anyone here today has never accepted Christ, anyone listening this morning has never accepted Christ, may this be the day, the moment, the hour when the Holy Ghost of God quickens their heart, draws them, 
Lord, uh, may they walk out of here a brand new creature for all of us. May we leave today uh, stronger in our faith because of our participation in services today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to give you a message this morning that I'm entitling the redemption of the Redeemer. The redemption of the Redeemer. There are three things that I want you to note here that are described in this story that candidly, I grew up all of my life in church. Most of you know my testimony. I was saved when I was seven days shy of being seven years old. June 13th, 1976, I got saved and have been in church all of my life since then. And candidly, I don't recall too many conversations, messages, or preachings about the story that happened some eight and then 40 days after the birth of Christ. Seemingly, the Christmas story ends uh, as the shepherds go back uh, to tending their flocks. Uh, but the story doesn't end uh, just because the Christmas pageant happens to end. And so what I want you to see here unfolding in front of us is a beautiful story, a beautiful imagery, a beautiful reminder uh, that the family, listen to what I'm about to say. I'll probably get nasty tweets. I don't care. The family is the building block of our society. When we destroy the family, uh, we destroy the church. Uh, when we destroy the church, we destroy the society. And from the very beginning uh, of the creation of mankind, the first institution that God created was the home. Before there was a government, before there was a church, uh, there was a man and wife that were created in the image of God. And that unit of the family has forever uh, been the foundation of a strong society. And now, this family, this poverty-stricken, this small little mama and daddy and newborn babe fulfill the requirements of the law, bringing their child first at the age of eight days old for circumcision and naming. Yeah, some folks don't realize this, but it was on the day of circumcision that the child was actually named. In my mind, I think, what did they call him for the first seven days? Hey, you? I mean, really, it would only be at the eighth day mark that the child would be named. And, of course, you're going to see in just a moment that when that child is named, they, they do exactly what the angel said. They call his name Jesus. But then some 32 days subsequently, 40 days after the birth, here comes this little family down to the tabernacle, down to the temple in Jerusalem, to redeem the firstborn male. Three things that I'll invite you to look at with me this morning. Number one, note this family's respect. Go back, if you would, please, of Luke 2. Look, please, at verse number 21. We've read it a couple of times now, but I want to remind you that what is happening here is specifically following out the leadership of the angel. Notice what it said, when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. Now, we read that and we think, well, that's no big deal. We know his name is called Jesus, but you need to understand that it would be very unusual for a male child, the firstborn, not to be named after his father. It would be very customary for the eldest child to be named something that has to do with the line and lineage, the history, the family story of Joseph. But in this case, that wasn't to be. For the angel had already told Mary and Joseph that the child was to be called Jesus. You understand, church, that in the Bible, names mean something. 
It's never an accident when you see a name. And in this case, the name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Can we stop right there and shout for about an hour? Jehovah is salvation. So when the angel says to the prospective mom and dad, when you have this baby, you're not going to call him Joseph. You're not going to call him little JJ. You're not going to call him little Junior. You're going to call him Jesus. Because in this instance, what you need to understand is that God is now fulfilling his promise over 6,000 years. Jehovah said the child would come. Jehovah has now arrived in the form of a child. So I can imagine at the age of eight days old, Joseph brings his son to the tabernacle, to the temple, to be circumcised. And when the process takes place, when the ceremony is over, and they say, what is the child's name? And Joseph says, Jesus. Everybody must have looked at him like he was a little cuckoo because his name should never have been Jehovah is salvation. That wasn't the typical name, but they didn't realize they weren't dealing with a typical child. They didn't realize they weren't dealing with a typical family. And in fact, what was happening in this instance, in this moment, Joseph was doing exactly what God had told him to do. But not only Were they obeying the leadership of the angel? They were following the letter of the law. I want to show you just a little bit about this family. You see, there are things that we have to kind of read between the lines and give us exactly what Scripture says to understand the reality of the life of Joseph and Mary. So please put your bookmark there at Luke 2. And go back with me now to Leviticus, or excuse me, Exodus. Let's go to Exodus. Let's go to Exodus first, chapter 13. Chapter 13. And let's begin reading in verse 2, just a couple of verses. Exodus chapter 13, look at verse 2. Notice what Scripture says. Go back to verse 1. Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. By the way, church, the word sanctify, what does it mean? Set aside. Make it special. Dedicate. Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. In other words, God says that this process that Mary and Joseph are undertaking 40 days after the birth of the child is a dedication ceremony whereby the children are promised to God, the oldest male. Now go to Leviticus, please. Now go to Leviticus chapter 12. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 6. And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon 
or a turtle dove for a sin offering under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation under the priest. Stay with me, folks. So the law says that when a male child has been born, it must be dedicated. It must be sanctified. It must be set aside. That male child must be given back to God that says, God, thank you for this gift. Thank you for what you've given us. We pledge that we will raise this child under the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Can I pause just a moment? Every mom and daddy, grandma and grandpa, would you look right here at me? The God's greatest gift he's given you next to your salvation is your family. The greatest next to, there's a lot of you who are nodding your head. You understand this. Next to your salvation, the greatest gift you have is the family God blessed you with. I see some of you this morning say, preacher, you don't know my kinfolk. You don't know mine either. Amen. You've heard me say this many a time. Down here in the South, it's not which, uh, which side of the family, uh, or it's, it's not do you have crazy people, it's which side are they on, and most of us are on both. Can I get a witness? Amen. But your family is the greatest gift you've got. Mamas and daddies, look at me. Your parents may not have raised you in church, but you do your children well to raise them in church. For those of us that were raised in church, God, thank you for the heritage that we've given. But would you listen to me? Regardless of your past, amen, regardless of your background, regardless of where you came from, you do well by letting your children know that church matters to you. Don't be surprised when they grow up and not interested when we're not interested greatest gift you have is your family. Dedicate them to the Lord. But number two this morning, I want you to see not only their respect, but their resources. Go back, if you would, please, to verse number six that we just read. Look at the latter clause. Now, I'm going to warn you, we're going to jump back and forth just a little bit, so stay with me. Again, verse six, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation under the priest. So on this day, not the circumcision eight days after birth, but on this day of dedication, after the purification of moms is over, some 40 days after the birth of the child, the family comes with the child, but they come with a sacrifice as well. A lamb and either a pigeon or a turtle dove. Keep your place. Turn to Luke 2. Look at verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice. Luke 2 verse 24. Go back to verse 23, put it in context. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. We just read it, verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves are two young pigeons. No, 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 wait a minute. That's not quite what Leviticus said. That's not... <laughs> 
That's not quite what Leviticus requires. Leviticus said you got to bring a lamb. <laughs> Where's the lamb? Oh, Mary's carrying him. Is that allowed? Is that possible? Is it, is it Levitically correct that she's showing up? Go back to Leviticus. Go back to Leviticus chapter 12. Look at verse 7. Who shall offer it before the Lord and make an atonement for her? And then shall she be cleansed from the issue of her blood? That is the law for her that hath born a male or a female. And look at verse 8. And if she be not able to bring a lamb, that means if she can't afford it. That means if the family doesn't have the material possessions, the monetary opportunity, they're not wealthy enough to bring a lamb. This, by the way, gives credence to the idea that I've shared with you a couple of weeks ago, that the wise men had not yet shown up. They've not come with their gold, frankincense, and myrrh, because if they'd shown up, Mary and Joseph would have had plenty of money to bring a lamb. But at this point, they're still very, very poor. And it says, she be not able to bring a lamb. Then shall she bring two turtles, which means two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. So in reality, when Mary and Joseph show up, when they bring their sacrifice, when they bring the requirement of the law for redemption, they can't afford to bring a lamb, so they bring the turtle dove and the pigeon. But look at me. They brought a lamb. And they didn't just bring any lamb. They brought the lamb. While there would have been other moms and dads perhaps that day, that week, that month uh, that might have showed up with a lamb uh, and that lamb may have been pure, uh, it may have been spotless, uh, it may have been the correct breed, it may have been everything that it needed to be, uh, they all, preaching time, they all paled in comparison uh, to the lamb that Mary brought that day uh, because his blood wasn't like any other blood. Uh, that lamb's blood uh, had to be repeated over and over, uh, but Mary's lamb's blood was one and done. It was perfect blood, pure blood, holy blood, spotless blood. They were too poor to bring a lamb, so they just brought the lamb. And then... It all begins to bust loose. Mary and Joseph. We don't know if Mary and Joseph left Bethlehem and went back to Nazareth and then back down to Jerusalem. Put it in perspective. Israel's three territories, three provinces, northern province, Galilee, southern pro middle province, Samaria, southern province, Judah. They're from the northern province, Galilee, Nazareth. Some 90 miles they had to travel to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, 90 miles today is no big deal. You hop in your car, you can be there an hour and a half. Or if my wife's driving, 20 minutes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But in biblical days, it was either a journey on foot or by donkey. And so it was multiple days, whereas the distance between Bethlehem and Jerusalem is only five miles. 
We don't know if they went back home and then traveled again some 40 days later, if they stayed there in Bethlehem because of the taxation. But regardless, we do know that on the 40th day, this little family, this little mama, this daddy, look at me, that nobody in Bethlehem knows. Walk into the temple carrying the Redeemer who needed to be redeemed. And when it happens, a good old-fashioned praise service begins to break out. Look with me, if you would, please. We'll be done this morning at the rejoicing. We've given you their respect. We've given you their resources. Now let's look at the rejoicing. We're in Luke 2 for the rest of the morning. And we read in verse number 26. Go back to verse 25, actually. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And by the way, I've already said to you, names mean something. <laughs> the name Simeon means the one who hears. I like that. Simeon, the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's language we don't use, but it means that Simeon was one of those who was waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. Why? The Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. In other words, God had revealed to Simeon. I don't know how. The Bible doesn't tell us. We know Simeon was a godly man. He was a just man. He was a devout man. And God had told Simeon, you will not die until you've seen the Messiah. I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of person that God talks to. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about some audible voice. I am talking about when he moves upon you in such a way that you know exactly what he said. Somehow, some way, God had revealed to Simeon, the, this godly man, this just man, you won't die until you see the Messiah. And one morning, Simeon wakes up, and God moves upon Simeon and says, Head down to the church house. Something special's happening. Head down to the temple. Something special's happening today, Simeon, and you need to be there. So Simeon puts his clothes on, heads down to the temple. And perhaps he's just sitting there on the outer corner, man. He's just waiting and talking with the other guys, passing the time. And down the dusty street... Here comes a carpenter and a little lady, and they're carrying a baby. And I imagine Simeon talking to his friends, and his eye focuses in on the family. And he stands up, his heart begins to pat. The hairs on the back of his neck begin to stand up, and goosebumps begin to flood over him, and he thinks, could this be the child? And as they draw closer, he sees that perhaps they don't come with the sacrifice of the lamb because they can't afford it. They come with two turtle doves and two pigeons, and so he thinks to himself, could this be the one? And then God, the Holy Ghost, whispers in Simeon's ear, that's him. 
Simeon cannot contain himself. He gets absolutely overwhelmed by the presence of God. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't know if Simeon asked permission. I don't know if he said, Joseph, or sir, uh, may I touch your baby? May I hold? I know today you reach out and grab a baby, you liable to draw back without a finger. Amen. But somehow, Jesus ends up in Simeon's arms. And look what he says. Note, if you would, please, verse number 27, came by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child to do for him after the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Can you imagine the scene there, church? Can you imagine as Simeon lifts up this child and looks heavenward and says, God, you can take me home. I've seen him. He's here. The one that you promised 6,000 years ago in the Garden of Eden, he's here. The one that the scholars had prophesied about, the prophets had talked about, the one that we've been waiting for, he's here. God, I'm ready. Take me home. But he doesn't stop there. Notice the next statement. Again, I don't know why I never heard this growing up, but notice what he says. A light to lighten the Gentiles. Wait a minute. Let me let you in on something, folks. This, this is old hat to us today. This is the first time in Scripture anybody said anything about them Gentiles. Jesus had been prophesied for the Jews. The Messiah was coming for his people. Even the angel said this child will save his people from their sins. And in Mary and Joseph's mind, his people were the Jews. Look at me. But he wasn't just the son of Abraham. He was the son of Adam. He was come to save the Jews, but also the Gentiles. You ought to get excited because you ain't Jewish. You is a Gentile. And so, look at me. 2,000 years ago. A little kooky old man shows up at the temple and he sees what 4,000 years of scholars had not seen. Gentiles are part of the plan. I can imagine Mary and Joseph saying, what did he say? Did he say the Gentiles? I'm going quickly. It doesn't end there. Not only was there, I appreciate all the godly women, not only was there a kooky old man, there's a kooky old lady there too. Doesn't end there. Let me give you just a couple more verses and we're done. Simeon says a few other things. He talks about what's going to happen. He reminds Mary that this would be a long row. 
which he has to hoe. In fact, he says in verse 35, speaking to Mary, he says, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul. Then there was one in verse 36, Anna, a prophetess. I know that just scares Baptists to death. Tears them all out the frame. A prophetess. The daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. You know when the Holy Ghost says she was of a great age, you know what that means? She's old. She's old. And had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. That means that this lady who you're about to see in just a moment, who we think is 84 years of age, which the older I get, the younger that becomes. Somebody say amen. Then she'd been a widow almost her entire adult life which was departed not from the temple, but to serve God with fastings and prayers night and day. She coming in that instance. Let's know what they're saying. She happened to be there. There is no such thing of happenstance in God's kingdom. In that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all that looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. I'm done. You can close your Bibles. Forty days ago, Mary went in labor. And labor was labor. It was ugly. It was painful. It wasn't as I shared with you last week. It wasn't the pretty little manger and little lambs ooing. There was no little drummer boy anywhere nearby. No song on the night wind singing, do you hear what I hear? There was a woman in labor and a daddy trying to help, him the, help her the best way he knew how. They brought a child into the world, and here comes some shepherds, nasty, stinky shepherds saying, the angel said the child is here. We've come to worship him. They go back, and for 40 days, it's typical married life, typical newborn life, typical mama and daddy and new baby. Mom and daddy show up to the tabernacle, to the temple, to do the purification ceremony. And a man who was so close to God that God spoke to him said, that's my boy. <clears throat> I, can, I can imagine, you can stand to your feet. I can imagine, let's stand together. I can imagine Joseph coming in wanting to say, that's my son. But God was saying, that's my son. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask you a question this morning, so simple. How many of you are 100% sure you know him? I don't mean as the baby in a manger. I mean as the lamb on a cross. You know him and not ashamed of it. Would you put your hand up this morning? Thank you so much. You can put him down. I appreciate your honesty. Is there anyone here that could not raise your hand and say, Pastor Greg, I'm, I'm not sure I know him. If I died today, I'm not sure heaven would be my home. Pray for me. I want to ask a second question this morning. As we conclude our final service of 2021 and transition into 2022, 12 months ago we were all but convinced 2021 would be a whole lot better than 2020. I don't think we can say that in terms of what we're facing as a world. But let me ask you this morning, how many of you have got a family member, a friend or a loved one, you can see their face right now and you're not sure if they know him? You want 2022 to be the year of their salvation. Would you slip those hands up? I appreciate that so much. 
If you feel comfortable and want to make your way to this altar and just bring that man, woman, boy, or girl to bring them to the old throne, the altar of grace, would you step out this morning? Would you come? As Brother Ken sings. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the first verse again together my favorite invitation song have thine own way lord let's all sing it together Madison Sykes has come to unite with our church this morning. And if you don't vote her in, you have to tackle Matthew. Amen. <laughs> Been saved and baptized. We've grown to love this sweet young lady so much, and we're glad to have her part of our fellowship. If you agree to her coming into our membership, would you lay your hand this morning? If you're going to pray for this young couple, would you say amen? Normally, we'd come around, let you hug, shakes, and all that. We're not going to do that. Y'all can go back to your seat, Madison. Thank you so much. Let me remind you this morning, uh, we've got the uh, Christmas ornaments up here from last year and from this year. We do ask you that you do one for family. Please don't grab 25 of them on your way out the door. Take one for family and hang it on your tree proudly. I don't know about you. I'm glad to be part of SAGBC, and I appreciate you all. Remember, no services Wednesday night. We'll be meeting again Sunday morning as we celebrate a brand new year together. Brother Ken, dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we are thankful, Lord, we was able to assemble back together, God, as a church family here today. And Father, we do thank you and praise you, Lord, for allowing your son, Jesus Christ, God, to come to this world in a form of a human, Lord. And God, just take upon him the death of the cross, Lord. He became obedient to that. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the blood that was shed there, Lord, to cover our sins. Father, we, we couldn't make it to heaven without him. God, I love you, Lord, and I thank you for loving me. And Father, thank you for our church congregation. Lord, we are proud, Lord, to be a member of this congregation. And God, I pray, Lord, you would bless us in the year to come. God, I pray we could see many great things happen here. And Lord, we could see many souls come to know Christ as Savior. Father, Father I pray, Lord, you'd bless our people. God, give us a good day. Lord, we just want, just want to say we love you, God. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.